There is a seasonal rise, which is considered a normal rise of ACTH around this time of year. And that is sort of either a side effect or the reason it increases is to help their hormones prepare them for all of that. Welcome to this week's episode of Healing Horses with Alicia. This week, I wanted to cover a topic that's been very top of mind for me over the last month or two, and that is the fall flare-up. So when the most questions in the shortest amount of time start coming in, it's usually two times of year uh, where horses seem to have the biggest struggles in their health, and that is spring and fall. And spring, of course, we know because the sugars in the grass are higher, they're going from hay to grass. So especially those horses that are struggling with metabolic conditions, laminitis, like they're going to be most at risk uh, for having a problem coming into spring. But I actually see a lot more variety of health challenges coming in the fall. I actually think fall has somewhat of a bigger impact on a lot of horses. So that doesn't mean that fall is causing these problems. From a holistic perspective, we have to think about it as just a trigger. That means that for a lot of these horses, there's pre-existing health challenges or imbalances. And then all that needs to happen is an environmental factor or a dietary change or some kind of trigger that brings out that expression, whatever it may be. So the most common conditions or flare-ups that I see coming into fall. And I'm just talking about this year because it's very current in my mind. But of course, there's the PPID or Cushing's, right? So there's lots of new diagnoses for that condition in the fall. There is a seasonal rise in ACTH levels. So sometimes that can exacerbate the condition. So I'm going to go over that in a little bit. And then laminitis, of course. So lots of laminitis cases coming in all the time. And in a lot of the the cases, they've been fine all summer and then fall comes and they tip over and they have an acute episode. Another condition is environmental allergies, especially in horses that are already have a pre-existing respiratory condition like COPD. There's lots of those flare-ups that I'm seeing and ulcers too. So sometimes you can get a handle on these ulcers and then all it takes is some kind of trigger and then they're sore, uncomfortable, irritable, showing all the signs that ulcer horses do. So what I want to do in this episode is just talk about all the changes a horse goes through in these fall months. So here we probably enter fall early September and I'm basically speaking to the end of October. And I'm noticing now that those were eight intense weeks of a lot of horses having health issues and episodes of imbalance. And then now it seems to be kind of calming down again. So the first change, and this might be most well known for those of you that have a PPID or Cushing's horse, is the hormones. So there's a big hormonal shift in horses around this time of year. Their body's going through a lot of changes. It has to get ready for colder temperatures, uh, especially out here, uh, northern Canada. Like, you know, we get down to minus 40 sometimes. So there's a lot of temperature fluctuations. So the hormones have to work pretty hard just to get their hair coat to grow thicker, make sure that they're regulating their temperature well uh, to prepare them for that. So there is a seasonal rise, which is considered a normal rise of ACTH around this time of year. And that is sort of either a side effect or the reason it increases is to help their hormones prepare them for all of that. 
But that being said, when ACTH rises, which is the hormone used to diagnose PPAD or Cushing's, cortisol levels also rise. And cortisol is a hormone that I'm talking about all the time because when it's elevated over a long period of time and chronically, it can lead to a lot of problems. So it puts a horse from an anabolic state of metabolism into a catabolic state, meaning it starts to break down tissue. And cortisol production in the short term is necessary. We need that. The horses need that for just short periods of stress. But we never want to see that go on for long periods of time or you're going to end up uh, running into trouble. And one of the most obvious symptoms of high cortisol production is if you take a Cushing source and look at their bodies, you see a lot of muscle wasting and it can really affect the feet. But the other thing that happens is with higher cortisol, it leads to perpetually high blood sugar and insulin. And the reason for that is because when a horse is under stress and producing cortisol, the body's getting ready for fight or flight. So it keeps that blood sugar high as a resource for strength and stamina. If you have elevated cortisol levels for a long period of time and you take a horse that's had issues with equine metabolic syndrome or already has insulin resistance, that's going to be a problem for them. It's going to be a problem for their hormones, blood sugar, insulin, just general health, but also their lamina and their hooves. And so that is what we kind of are looking at uh, coming into the fall months. And it's something that we need to be prepared for especially if you have a horse that's predisposed to any of those metabolic conditions, including the Cushing's. Now, another thing I want to mention too, if you have a horse that is more prone to laminitic flare-ups in the fall, you've got to look at the trim. Make sure that you really know and understand what a healthy trim looks like. Because if you have an unhealthy trim with some pathologies there that are causing a weaker lamina or more inflammation, and then you add these hormonal triggers, it is just a perfect storm. So practicing prevention also means having a healthier trim going into the months where you expect or suspect there's going to be a flare up. The second thing that happens for horses is there's a lot of diet changes that happen. And for some horses, the biggest change can be going from grass to hay. So those horses that are out on pasture all summer, starting from spring through summer, and then now winter comes, the grass is kind of drying up, uh, and then they go on a round bale. And if that change happens pretty abruptly, and that horse doesn't have healthy digestion, or it doesn't have a strong microbiome. And it depends on the horse, but you know, age definitely plays a role. So the older the horse is, the more support their digestive system needs. But I would never recommend to do that too abruptly because every time they go through a shift like that from grass to hay, there's also a microbiome shift that has to happen to support their gut and to make sure that they're able to ferment. So those bacteria have a preference on the environment they live in and the food source that they have. And when that food source starts to change, so do the populations in the hindgut. So that's something you really want to be aware of and do that gradually. The other thing and probably the most important thing to be aware of, especially for horses, either with insulin resistance or PPID, Cushing's or laminitis, that there's higher concentrations of sugar in the grass in the fall. 
And the reason for that is when the temperature drops, but the sun still stays out, you have grass that's stressed, meaning stress from drought or stress from colder temperatures, but it's still producing sugar. And so you end up with that really short grass that looks like it might be kind of dead, but really there's a lot of concentrated sugar in there. So for those horses going into fall, that already are showing signs of insulin resistance, equine metabolic syndrome, really watch those horses on that shorter grass because it can trigger laminitic episodes. For some of the herd keepers, sometimes what happens is they go from being on a lot of pasture all summer and they hold their weight, they put more weight on. And when they come in, come getting ready for winter, they're switched to a commercial grain diet. And that also requires a pretty big microbiome shift, especially because commercial grains aren't a natural forage for horses. It's a much different food source. It's digested much differently than regular forage. So that can cause flare-ups of a variety of different issues, actually. Uh, But some of the symptoms might be ulcer flare-ups. It could be laminitis flare-ups even. Or sometimes it can also cause fecal water and things like that, just because the digestion just can't keep up with the abrupt change. Another change that happens in the fall is the environmental particulates in the air. So we see a lot more pollens in the fall. So if you have a horse that you kind of know that they have allergy problems either in the spring or the fall. It's probably from the pollens, but it can also be because they are switched to a round bale. So they go from eating down, you know, with their nose to the ground all summer. And then if they go in a round bale where they're forced to keep their heads up and they already have a weakness in the respiratory tract, let's say they have a history of COPD, you can start to see flare-ups there because they're now sucking up all the dust from the hay. Um, and horses are nasal breathers. That means they take in all their air through their nose, including all their particulates. So you'll often see those horses with their noses just buried in the round bales. And it stays in there for quite a while for some of those horses. So they're just sucking up all those particulates. And it can absolutely lead to a respiratory trigger. So Just make sure that if that is an issue for your horse, that maybe there's another setup you can use where their heads are lower to the ground and you can try netting too, just to keep the dust levels down as well. One of the common uh, pollens in the air can be ragweed too. So um, some horses just have a particular allergy and sometimes it can be related to geography, you know, whereabouts they are. I've noticed that I see a lot more respiratory allergies in the coastal region. So either on the west coast of Canada here on the island, sometimes closer to the coast in California, but also in the Maritimes and in Ontario and things like that, where maybe it's just the more moisture closer to the ocean. I'm not really sure what causes it, but I have noticed that in certain geographies, horses can be more sensitive to seasonal allergies, particularly respiratory ones. If you are ready to dive into the world of holistic horse health and all it has to offer, I invite you to join me for my 12-week online signature program, Healing Horses Airway. This program only runs once per year, and I'm excited to announce the doors are now open to welcome the class of 2024. Registration is now open. Inside, you'll learn how to formulate natural health programs using diet, lifestyle, single nutrients, herbs, and homeopathic remedies. And this course will also empower you with the tools and confidence you need to make informed decisions and take charge of your horse's health. 
If you want to learn more or you're ready to register, you can look in the show notes for the links. There's one link that will take you to a page to learn more about the program and how it's run. And the other link is just to get registered right away. I can't wait to welcome you. The next change uh, that can be pretty drastic for horses, depending on where you are again. So I'm just north of Calgary. So in Alberta, we get, and this is true for other parts of Canada too, we get a lot of drastic temperature fluctuations starting sometimes as early as September. Like we can see temperatures plummet depending on the year, you know, late September below zero. And sometimes the horses have a hard time keeping up with that because the next week it'll be 20 degrees again and then down to minus five. So the body has to figure out how to regulate temperature pretty good. And for some of those horses that are getting older, or they're already having metabolic challenges, or a sluggish thyroid, and the thyroid is responsible for regulating temperature, uh, you can see them kind of maybe struggle a little bit through that. But one of the other impacts of those temperature fluctuations is when temperatures start to drop like that, and say you have a horse that's really prone to laminitis, it can lead to poor circulation. So that is not the same as laminitis triggered by short grass with more concentrated sugar. This is more winter laminitis where the circulation is getting reduced. But in those horses, it's important to realize that there is already compromised circulation. Like those temperatures in a healthy horse shouldn't lead to laminitis. So we have to look at it as make sure that you're doing everything with the trim and the hoof care prior to these colder temperatures to encourage good circulation. So talk to your hoof care provider about that because it's an important part of prevention. So you can see uh, that happen too. And sometimes it can be hard to tell what the trigger is because we've got food changes, we've got temperature changes, we've got hormone changes. And I think that maybe for some horses, all of those things kind of work together to trigger those episodes. So what it is really most important is that you're trying to determine what affects your horse the most, what is going to lead to an episode or a health imbalance the most. That's really what we're after here. But I do have some strategies for prevention and just things to be aware of coming into the colder temperatures to help them prepare a little bit for what's coming. And the first one is food related. So when in doubt, always support the digestive system. That's my piece of advice for almost every condition because there's so many reasons that affect the digestive system and also so many reasons for that microbiome to get tilted out of balance. And so the first thing to do is support that microbiome in the hindgut. And so part of what you can do there is slower food transition. So if you know your horse is going to be coming off pasture and going on to 100% hay, start throwing hay out a little bit earlier. Give them the option to start nibbling on some hay while they're on pasture. For those metabolic horses, sometimes that can be very beneficial because they'll actually choose the hay sometimes over the grass which means they're not eating as much sugar as long as you have a low sugar hay. So that's the first thing. And then a side note to that, you know, it's always a really good idea to get your hay tested so that you know that it's low sugar, especially if you're working on those metabolic and laminitic triggers. In some areas, it's really difficult right now. Uh, I know in Western Canada, especially with all the drought that we've had, it's not a very good hay year. You have to get what you can get. But I do think it's a good idea just to get the analysis so that you know um, that they're not coming off pasture to another high sugar forage. 
Uh, The other thing you can do is make sure that you're supplementing with a high quality probiotic. And by high quality, I mean, make sure that the ingredient list is pretty clean. Like all you're seeing in there is live bacteria. I don't like mixing probiotics with anything else. Even on commercial feed bags, it's just not potent enough to make a difference. Just like with humans, you should always get your horse probiotics out of the fridge. I just think that's a really good practice. Now, there are a lot of different probiotics out there. You have to find the one that works best for you in your area. But the one I use and recommend out here in North America, if you can get it, is the Reva's Remedies Procolin. Uh, the dosage is very low at a quarter teaspoon in one dose, which means it's very concentrated and it's in the fridge. And if you don't have access to a fridge in most areas around here, the temperatures, you know, as long as it's around five degrees, it should be okay. You can just keep it in the barn. Another thing you can do to help support nutrition for along the same lines as that food change is increase essential fatty acids. When horses go from live forage or pasture to hay, the essential fatty acids drop in the hay pretty quickly after you cut it. Those fat-soluble nutrients include essential fatty acids, and essential fatty acids are really important for hormone regulation. Uh, They're also really good for inflammation too, and they're really good for immunity. And so even just going from that transition a little bit too quick And let's say you have an older horse that might even have a pre-existing deficiency. I do think it's a good idea to provide them like a natural source of essential fatty acids. And one thing you can do there is crush flax. So just use crush flax, one tablespoon a day, up to two tablespoons, depending on the size of the horse. And just kind of keep them on that for a little while, just to make sure that they're getting uh, some of that fat-soluble nutrition. The next thing I want to talk about is stress levels. So we always want to be aware of stress levels all year round. It's not isolated to one season, but it can serve as a trigger. So if there are some pre-existing issues already there with your horse, and then either they have to move corrals, let's say they have to go in by themselves rather than be with their herd, or they are going on to hay nets where now they're not getting fed for like longer periods of time. Those are all stressors, and those stressors can definitely play an impact on ACTH levels. It makes an impact on digestion and ulcers. So we always want to keep stress low wherever we can. And so those of you that have been listening to me have probably heard me talk about the three F's. We want to make sure they've got forage, freedom, and friendship. Uh, So whatever you can do coming into fall to make sure that they're still able to move, they have the freedom to move, uh, they're getting frequent feedings, so they're not standing hungry for long periods of time, and they've got a buddy and a friend to hang out with. Those are kind of the basics for helping prevent stress. But anything else that you notice with them, that's a stressor. Uh, just make sure you try and address that because the stress in itself can, you know, trigger lots of inflammation in the body, can trigger poor digestion, it suppresses immunity, the list goes on. So make sure that in combination with all the food strategies that you are taking a look at stress levels. And some of those signs you might not notice in horses, but I often just look for the signs like, are they looking distressed? You know, do they have the look on their face where they're just not very happy? Are they pacing, running fences, pawing, weaving, like doing all those behaviors that tell you that they're just not very happy with something? And then the next and last tip I have, uh, which mostly relates to these laminitic flare-ups, because that's probably 
of all the conditions that I see coming into fall, laminitis probably trumps everything. Just that there's been a lot of laminitis that I've been working with this fall. So make sure that you are improving that trim all the time, that they are getting the hoof care that they need to reduce or correct those pathologies and encourage circulation, uh, making sure you're getting a handle on those thrush infections. And that starts by making sure that the diet is healthy, right? Because diet can certainly impact infection in the body, uh, especially because um, as the hind gut's weaker, they have a leaky gut, you can end up uh, with a propensity just for thrush infections in the feet. I see that a lot uh, with horses. So just making sure you've got that trim figured out. And if there's been a lot of chronic laminitis and soundness issues in their past, and you know it's related to hooves, make sure you're working with somebody that has experience with those pathologies. So whether it's laminitis or navicular or literally like they can barely walk, like make sure you're working with the right person to help you through that because it can be a challenging time for them. Sometimes it just requires a transition of just making those slow corrections. But if you're seeing things like long toes, underrun heels, flares, separation, that is telling you that that lamina is already compromised and weak. So all the more reason to get on it way ahead of time, you know, like especially all through the summer, make sure you're working on that so that when fall comes and temperatures drop and they're on maybe a higher sugar grass for a little while, more concentrated sugars, that their hooves are able to withstand that. And you can get the lamina strong enough to the point where their tolerance can increase, which means they're going to be more resistant to these hormonal fluctuations and the temperature fluctuations, the food changes, etc. So I hope that helps you We're kind of at the end of fall here in Canada and the U.S. now. Australia, this will prepare you for moving into your next fall season. Um, It might actually help those of you going into next fall. If you've had a lot of struggles this year, just keep this podcast in mind going through next summer so you have some things to work on. Thanks and have a great day. 